there's already a feeling that, okay, I, I, I'm a conservation. They may not know exactly why or how they are. And that's one of the things that we're trying to educate uh, folks on right now through a third program called Connecting with Conservation. The Life in Motion podcast is brought to you by Actual Outdoors. They help build beautiful brands that highlight the approachable and authentic parts of outdoor recreation. Said simply, they keep it real. Learn more at actualoutdoors.com. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up, and welcome to episode 172 of Life in Motion. I've got Jim with me from Stooges Conservation. They're engaging the next generations of hunters, anglers, trappers, and shooters while promoting them as the primary funders and stewards of land, fish, and wildlife conservation. I'm excited to hear his story and how they're able to do that. Jim, thanks for being on the show today. It's great to be here, Jeremy. I appreciate the invite. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited to have you on. And, um, you know, obviously a lot of our guests um, kind of are around, um, you know, the outdoors and things like that. But, you know, I think um, from the conservation standpoint, uh, you all might be our first guest kind of um, in, in that sense. So I'm definitely excited to kind of dive into those things. But before we do that and everything that you all are doing with the organization, let's talk about uh, who you are, you know, where are you from, where you grew up, um, kind of what, what led you into the outdoors and then ultimately uh, this position in the first place. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I grew up in uh, Putnam County, New York, which is about 40 miles north of uh, New York City. My folks were from Queens, New York, and when they uh, wanted to start a family, they moved up to what was considered rural, you know, 50 years ago. Um, <laughs> and my father had a, a love for the outdoors as well. Not a lot of outdoor activities in Queens, uh, you know, not a lot of woods, more concrete than woods there. So at a very young age, uh, I tagged along with him and I think we were outside more than inside, uh, you know, following some trout streams as far as we could and um, looking for largemouth bass. And then um, when it got a little cooler and, and the hunting season start, we, uh, you know, got out there in the woods and the fields as well. But, um, you know, after uh, growing up outdoors, I just... Um, had to make a decision on what to do in the real world, right? And I went to school in upstate New York uh, for business and then down to um, North Carolina, uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, got my bachelor's degree in business management and um, kicked around a couple of jobs here and there and moved back um, to New York after a few years and um, just finally kind of got settled in with a company called National Shooting Sports Foundation that um, was a trade association for the outdoor industry for uh, hunting and target shooting and uh, conducted a whole bunch of research for those guys and I had a good time doing it and realized, uh, you know, this is this is where I industry that I want to be in. That's awesome. It's, it's cool kind of how that... Um you know, kind of your passion and love for the outdoors, obviously kind of growing up and that continued to grow, but then to be able to match that, you know, obviously with the, um, you know, going to school for business and kind of understanding that kind of stuff, how that those two kind of things kind of married in that sense. What, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, as, as you mentioned, kind of, um, you know, your, your family and whatnot, kind of going in the, in Queens areas, you mentioned a lot of concrete, everything like that. What, what was it about, like, um, I guess the outdoors that, that really kind of kept you hooked, you know, over all these years. And then, you know, during those, those, uh, early times as well. Just, um, I guess a nat natural instinct or, you know, a wild child or something like that. But, you know, I think, um, 
everybody I knew, we, we were spending more time outdoors than indoors. Um, obviously, we didn't have all the electronics and all that sort of stuff in the 70s and 80s that the youth have today. So I think that was a big factor in it. And um, a little free range kids back then and climbing trees and, you know, just uh, eating breakfast, going outside, coming back for lunch, going outside, coming back for dinner, <laughs> right? Um, so it's just more, I think, um, kind of the culture back then is I think people were outside a little bit more. Um, I think, right, we're seeing a little resurrection of that after the, the pandemic there. I think a lot more people are connecting or reconnecting with nature. So that's good to see as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. Kind of the, you know, we'll go out, explore, you know, come back for dinner, lunch, all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, see what kind of uh, adventures you, you can go on. So so I love that. I have some some memories myself in, in that regard. So um, but yeah, so you, so you moved down, um, to, to North Carolina, then back up to, to New York. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, you know, working with them where, I guess, what, what were the next steps after that? So I think in t- early 2021, um, I was with that NSSF for about 11 years and in early 2021, um, they had layoffs just like a lot of companies due to COVID there, one of their main revenue Sources was a uh, trade show, and without having that live trade show, they yeah. had to make some cuts. And you know, I was responsible for several things. One, conducting research on the industry, trying to learn about the consumer, what they were buying, why they were buying it, um, what they were participating in, what they wanted to participate in, that type of stuff. And then um, using that to then build some programs, try to get more people outside. Um, and I figured, okay, well, I'm not sure um, <laughs> what else I really know at the time. And I said, I think there's still a hole out there to be filled with conducting research and um, building programs to get more folks outside. So uh, mid-2021, I you know, filled out all the paperwork there and we became a IRS registered 501c3, I think in November 2021. So, you know, just coming up on two years old now and um in the past couple of years um obviously just building that organization trying to get the word out about us i was never a social media guy so i'm learning <laughs> learning some new skills there right and the frustrations dealing with social media um but i'm yeah, having a great time uh, you know we're we're fortunate to have some funding from some uh grants that um, we applied for that uh, folks liked what we we're trying to do. So we're off to a good start. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. And yeah, the, the ever changing landscape of social media, which is, um, you know, a, a blessing and a curse in some ways. <laughs> you, you almost need it nowadays and then everything changes and, you know, good and bad that goes along with that. So I, I totally understand that. <laughs> mm. But no, that's it, good. And it's good to hear kind of, you know, how, um, you know, the, the pivot that you made and then obviously, you know, being a, a little over two years or, or around two years, um, kind of growing that. So what are some of the specific, um, I guess, you know, you mentioned a lot of kind of research and, and figuring out how to get other people out outside and, and whatnot. How, I guess, what, what does that look like? Um, I guess more specifically and like, how does that feed into, um, you know, your, your very, and then of course we can talk about your varying programs. Right. Well, a couple of prog- uh, research projects I had conducted over the years, uh, we wanted to learn about current participation in hunting and target shooting, fishing. Uh, but we also wanted to learn about the um, 
folks out there that had a high interest in learning new activities such as going hunting or target shooting or fishing. And um, we realized, okay, we, we know there's 60 million active hats, right? Hats are hunters, anglers, trappers, and shooters. And those folks spend 1.2 billion days outside enjoying the activities of hunting, fishing, trapping, and target shooting. So um, we're very comfortable with that number because we had done that several times over and over. And then we started to ask, you know, the general population, those that didn't participate, hey, do you have an interest in going fishing? Do you have an interest in, in going hunting? And those that said yes, we said, okay, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being a high interest, you know, where are you on that um, level? And it, it equated to, you know, those that hit eight, nine, and 10 that had a high interest, about 10 million people had a high interest in, wow. in getting um, outside and trying something new. Like, and, and we said, okay, what's it going to take to get you outdoors? And there was basically, you know, the, what we call uh, the three eyes. We needed to provide them information, how to get started, where to go, what the laws and regulations are, what equipment you need. Um, and then the, the most important eye is an invitation, right? One of those existing 60 million hats invites somebody new to come with them. And that is the guarantee, right, to get that new person outdoors. And then the third eye was we incentivize it. You know, we ask that current participant, hey, if you ask somebody new to come with you, we'll give you X. And it didn't really matter what that incentive was, but it just um, helped, you know, move things along. Um, so through that research there, we, we at Outdoor Stewards of Conservation Foundation built a program called Come With. And that's where we're asking our partners, which are the manufacturers, the retailers, the state wildlife agencies, and the NGOs out there, the non-government organizations such as the Ducks Unlimited and the Pheasants Forever, right? We, we want them to reach out to their current members and say, invite somebody new, new to come with you. Um, the feeling that you get being a mentor is, is watching somebody catch their first bass is way more exciting than catching yeah. a thousandth bass, right? So, and I think, you know, you probably know that, right? Being a mentor, teaching somebody a new outdoor skill is just a, a terrific feeling. And we want to, you know, yeah. pass that along and, and know that if you do this, you know, you're, you're not doing it for nothing. You're going to, you're going to get a great feeling as well. Yeah, no, no, that, that's, a, that's a great point. You know, the, the mentor mentee kind of relationship there, you know, uh, you know, having that rewarding feeling, you know, showing somebody or teaching something uh, or teaching them something new uh, is great. And it's cool, you know, to hear, you know, the, the community of, of hats that were already obviously established, um, you know, obviously their, their willingness to, to do that, but also, um, the interest from others that uh, had never tried before. <clears throat> and it sounds like a lot of that was due to kind of the, uh, the, the information piece in, in that uh, in one of those eyes, um, as far as maybe not know exactly what to do or how to go about it or know who to uh, the best person to teach them. So that's, uh, that's really cool. So so when it comes to that, is, is that just like an incentive program or a program, you know, through through your your members? um that you know they're just reaching out to their friends and saying hey i'm doing this this weekend you know come come it or come check it out or is there um i, I guess how are those is it matched that way or is it is there some more kind of um uh, i guess other ways they're they're matched as well right now we're just asking you know obviously we don't have a big reach outdoor stewards conservation just getting started but our partners let's say 
you know, a, a firearm company or a, a fishing company that might have 2 million names on their database, right? We ask them to send out communications in their newsletters or on their social media. Um, hey, if you're going fishing this weekend, invite somebody new to come with you. So it's really just a communication and uh, engagement program that we're trying to, you know, have as many of our partners spread the word. So now all of a sudden, you know, you hear it once from from company. Uh, okay, yeah, maybe I will bring you here second time from somebody else and a third time from somebody. I better bring somebody with me, you know, this, <laughs> this weekend when I go outdoors. So um, that's what we're trying to do there is kind of get more people to push that message and use the, the language that we all use when we invite somebody to do something. Hey, you want to come with me? That's awesome. And then so like, like with that, is there a way, um, I guess that you all have been able to kind of track the, I guess the new people that are kind of getting into the outdoors in that sense, um, is, you know, I don't know if that ties in with the incentives or not a way to, to, uh, track that, but that's definitely interesting, especially the number of people, um, that were curious about it and want to learn about it in the first place. Yeah, we do do. I mean, there are participation studies that come out on an annual basis, um, you know, from, anywhere from U.S. Fish and Wildlife to other organizations, you know, the fishing industry, the hunting industry, they all put out uh, annual participation data. So we can kind of track things that way. Anecdotally, we are seeing folks, you know, just yesterday, uh, a local fisherman here, um, you know, posted a big thing about come with. He's a, he's a guide, but he, you know, takes a lot of kids fishing out on his bass boat and gives them a great experience. But he posted a big thing with our logo. And I was like, well, pretty dang cool, right? You know, uh, <laughs> you know, he's got a good following and he just um, was pushing the message on there about uh, bringing somebody new to come with you. That's no, that's, that's great. And and I, I like, like the, the idea and, and whatnot of, of that program. And then um, you also have a couple other programs outside of that. So what else, um, what else do you all offer? Sure. So like, you know, this kind of a, a personal, I guess, uh, pet peeve of mine and probably yours as well is seeing <laughs> trash outdoors yes. when you're out hiking or camping, or it doesn't matter how far back, you are in the woods or waters, you come across a mylar balloon or a plastic bottle that's floated down the streams from where and stuck in the bushes. And, um, you know, just kind of naturally, I've, I've been picking it up all along the way my entire life. And um, one of the things that we want to do is kind of shine a positive light on those hats, right? Um, you know, you can get a little bit bad rap um, in the news or whatever the case may be. You get a bad apple, it does something silly, you know, while out hunting and, and it just casts a bad light on all hunters, right? So we wanted to shine a positive light on them. So we developed a program called Fill a Bag While Filling Your Tag. And what we do is we, um, you know, we purchase reusable biodegradable bags that are personalized with our partners on them. And then we'll send those off to the partners and they'll distribute those bags to their customers either when you purchase an online order or if you um, go to a consumer trade show and at a booth you'll pick up one of these bags and on the bags they have instructions and even a qr code that plays a video it's personalized to the, the company um, and it'll say hey take this bag out when you're uh, you know going hunting fishing or shooting and if you come across a piece of trash take it out with you but get credit for being that steward of conservation by posting a photo with you and your bag and your trash and use hashtag trophy trash and post it to your social media. And that's kind of, you know, we came <laughs> up with the little trophy trash, uh, catchy, 
hashtag there. And again, same type of thing. It's kind of cool when you start to see people, you know, using it. And, you know, you don't have to use our bags. It's just kind of the, the movement is, you know, one, self-policing, clean up after yourself, of course. But two, it doesn't hurt to stop and take somebody else's trash out of the woods and waters either. And I know we're not the only organization doing that, but um, it is a it's a it's a great thing to do no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I do like that uh, trophy trash. That, that's that's pretty good. And, you know, I think, you know, to your point, kind of using that awareness um, for something you're already doing. I mean, I know, you know, there's 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 one point in my life where, you know, you, you're walking through there and you don't really notice like what is might be on the trail or whatnot, just because you're not like looking for it actively. But after you do or at least for me, after I participated in a couple of cleanups and those kinds of things, then it's like everywhere you go, you notice it more and more. Um, but to the same point, then you, you feel kind of that, that responsibility, um, to, you know, to, to pick it up and, and do, do what you can. And so, you know, raising that awareness and kind of spreading that out this way, um, kind of at a larger level, I think is a, is an awesome idea. Yeah. And we're, we're happy, um, that it's catching on, you know, uh, I had you know, pretty good connections, 11 years in an industry and, um, you know, we've had companies, um, from, wildlife agencies such as um, Alabama Wildlife Resource Agencies, Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agencies, buying the bags and then distributing the bags to their customers. And then, you know, manufacturers from Ruger and um, Federal and Fiocchi buying the bags and distributing them out there. And we've distributed through those partners over 100,000 bags just in the past year and a half. So, um, you know, it's off to, like I said, not another good start here. And we're starting to track that online. And um, again, learning about all the intricacies of <laughs> how to do stuff <laughs> online is is definitely uh, a learning curve for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and uh, another question. Um, so when it comes to, um, you know, the, the uh i I guess the the sportsmen that that go out obviously nature goes hand to hand with that but when it comes with like or comes to the hats in conservation um in in general how how do those two match because i mean as you mentioned you know some uh hunters and stuff like that can get a bad rep or or whatnot for whatever reason or they might not understand um some of the, the sports i guess side of it but I guess how how do those two kind of help each other? I guess in the in the grand scheme, if that makes sense. Sure, sure. So, you know, I, we had done some general population surveys over the years, and you know, just asking the average Americans, you know, do you consider yourself a conservationist, and uh, you know, define conservation, all that sort of stuff. And then we would ask later on in the survey, hey, click here for the activities that you participate in from camping to hiking to skiing to hunting fishing whatever the case may be and then we kind of looked at the data and you can cut it up on the back end and say okay well 82 percent of hats consider themselves conservationists whereas the general population that are not those hats i think it was like 68 percent or 72 percent considered themselves conservationists so there's already a feeling that okay I, I'm a conservation. They may not know exactly why or how they are. And that's one of the things that we're trying to educate uh, folks on right now through a third program called Connecting with Conservation. And the okay. goal of this is to create some short videos where we have our industry partners, a manufacturer, um, and the agency, a state wildlife agency, kind of 
explaining to those hats, the end users, hey, when you buy a fishing license, when you buy a lure, you're supporting conservation. Um, so fishing license and hunting license on an annual basis is about $1.5 billion in sales. Wow. Um, and then when you buy outdoor products that have an excise tax on them, and primarily they're firearms, ammunition, rods, reels, lures, bows, and arrows, um, that comes to another $1.5 billion. And then you add in contributions to your your critter groups, your NWTFs and your Ducks Unlimited and your Trout Unlimited, and that's another half a billion dollars. So those 60 million hats are providing $3.6 billion a year, um, and that's $10 million a day. And that money all gets filtered down, the excise taxes and the uh, license sales, to state wildlife agencies. So here in you know Connecticut, um, we may have um, our Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection, who are all the wildlife biologists and the people taking care of the outdoors. They're managing habitat, they're managing wildlife populations, they're stocking fish, keeping the water clean. Um, their budget is funded about 70% by um, license sales and by excise tax dollars. So without the hunters and anglers and target shooters and trappers paying that, buying the license, buying the product, you can imagine having to cut 70% of your state wildlife agency budget and no matter what state you're in. And it would be devastating to, you know, filter down to habitat and to wildlife populations. So we're trying to educate the hats, like without you paying into it, these state wildlife agencies can't get their hands dirty, um, you know, building boat ramps, building, um, you know, places to go hunting, fish and shoot and managing the habitat. I mean, I was down, um, in South Carolina, doing one of these videos and got to visit, visit one of their fish hatcheries, all paid for by, you know, those outdoors folks. Uh, we did like a prescribed burn in Georgia of a dove field that they, they were going to go, uh, you know, hunting on and all paid for by the outdoors folks. But the wildlife biologists say, you know, this isn't just good for you know, huntable species and fishing species, right? This is good for pollinators, birds, bees, butterflies. And of course, you know, all sorts of um, critters benefit from what the work that the wildlife agencies do. So again, just we're trying to get that message out. Yeah, yeah. And it goes, you know, and, and that that makes sense kind of, you know, one, helping them understand, you know, where, where those, um, you know, the license kind of fees and that stuff go towards but, you know, even so, like maybe the public that, you know, isn't part of, you know, hats or whatnot to understand, you know, how how, how that all kind of works together, as you mentioned, you know, with with the overpopulation or underpopulation or, or this and that and how it all kind of feeds into each other. And then, you know, as you mentioned, you know, pollinators and all this other stuff, um, it's a it's a much uh, it seems to be a much bigger picture than what some people um, understand outside of just the, you know, I'm going hunting or I'm going fishing or doing this. You know, you even mentioned, you know, those organizations helping with boat ramps and stuff like that, which I'm sure a lot of that just for regular recreation as well. So um, it, it's it seems kind of a, a wide spectrum there. Yeah. And, and, you know, we try to simplify it. So a classic example. I mean, I, I got up early this morning. There's a, it's September, right? So there's an early goose season. They call it the, the non-migrating geese here in Connecticut. The, the DEP wants to um, try to manage that population. So there's not as many on the golf courses and on the soccer fields and all that stuff. <laughs> so they want the hunters out there. So I went out, I took my kayak, 
got my, you know, my paddle, my um, life vest, my shotgun and my fishing pole. And I just, you know, nice, quiet morning, just went out and enjoyed nature. Um, but, you know, that kayak doesn't pay into uh, to conservation. The, but the fishing pole does, the reel does, the lure does, the gun does, the ammo does. And then I have to buy my hunting license. I have to buy a $25 federal stamp. So, you know, you can go out there and enjoy nature, but we do want folks to understand a lot of that stuff is there because of the funding, the way the funding sources are currently set up right now in America through that called the North American Model of Wildlife Conservation and the Wildlife Sport Fish Restoration Act and Pittman Robertson. You can talk, call, call it all these cool names, but basically, you know, we just want to, it's a user pay kind of everybody benefit model. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I like, you know, as you mentioned, kind of simplifying that so people can understand that and, and things like that. So, so that's, that's awesome. So, so kind of with, you know, over your, um, you know, the last couple of years or whatnot, building out these programs. Um, and it sounds like, um, you know, having some, some good success with them so far, is there, is there anything else kind of on the horizon that, that you're kind of looking towards, um, I guess other programs or maybe just expanding on, or maybe that's just focusing on what uh, you're already currently doing, but what does that kind of look like as you, you know, continue to, to grow, um, you know, along the years? I mean, a personal interest again, now I did a lot of this work and now I'm a, I'm a 50 year old, you know, white guy, right. From New York. Right. So um, there's plenty of us that go outdoors hunting. So, but we know through the research, there's a lot of interest and there's a lot of interest to diversify the outdoors. And there's been a lot of talk, right? Talk, talk, talk. We got to diversify the outdoors. So, you know, one of the things that we actually want to do something about it. And a friend of mine, um, Eric Morris, he's um, out of Atlanta and a retired veteran, three tours in Iraq and African-American that has a, his own TV show, small uh, show on the Pursuit Channel called Non-Typical Outdoorsman. And he calls his show the most diverse TV show uh, in the world, right? So his goal is to get more folks out hunting and fishing, um, people of color. So actually, he's on my board, and we talked about how can we act on this, and you know, put our money where our mouth is. And we submitted a proposal to get some grant funding uh, to have film six episodes of his TV show that showcase um, diversity from within state wildlife agencies and from within manufacturers. So what we are doing now when we film three episodes and we're bringing out, you know, folks that, um, you know, anybody pretty much but a, not, an old white guy, right? <laughs> to <diversify laughs> the outdoors, to showcase that the outdoors is for everybody. And we're bringing them. We were just down. We did a waterfowl hunt, a goose hunt in Virginia. We had uh, a new hunter from the NRA, National Rifle Association. Um, we had a new hunter from the Virginia Department of Wildlife Resource Agencies. And um, again, a kind of good thing about social media, I just kind of met somebody on social media that was from Virginia and liked our fill a bag program. And I said, hey, do you want to come out on a, on a goose hunt? So we took a social media person out on their first goose hunt. As well. <laughs> but, um, that's kind of what we're looking at you know, for focusing on is uh, that diversity aspect of it. Cause there's a lot of, um, I think there's the time is finally right. Right. That talk has now yeah. turned into action. So we want to be part of that action as well. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I like the, the idea of, you know, how, how you're doing in that sense and, you know, and, and kind of to, to that point, you know, 
it, it seems like, you know, a lot of people that I've, I've uh, spoken with have had on the show and stuff like that, that are kind of doing the same things. Um, it seems like the biggest challenge is, um, not, uh, the, um, I guess the access are not seeing, you know, the, the same people out in the, in the woods is, or hiking or, or hunting or whatever that might be. Um, but not having that similarity. So it's, it's cool to kind of have, um, those different individuals, um, kind of promoting that and, and showcasing that through videos and pictures and everything as well. Um, cause I mean, the, the outdoors is, is, uh, truly for everybody. Yeah. And, and one of those things that we learned from research along the years was imagery, right? You have to showcase, um, different faces, right? Because if, if folks don't see themselves or people that look like themselves on TV or in magazines, um, they don't feel welcome. They don't feel marketed to, and they're just you know, another barrier to entry. So, uh, I think that's, um, I, I've seen it definitely a major change in imagery over the past 10 years, which is great to see. And, and we hope that continues. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, it sounds like, you know, you got some good, good programs with that going on. Um, obviously, um, kind of ramping up towards, um, the videos and stuff that you just mentioned. So, um, I was definitely excited to kind of see where, where all that continues to go. And as you continue to grow, but so, so one thing I, or one, uh, thing I always like to ask our guests is kind of one piece of advice that our listeners can, can take away. Um, and I think in this case, you know, you mentioned, you know, through, through your research and, and surveys and all that stuff, that there are a lot of hats out there that, uh, you know, maybe, uh, I guess, uh, consider themselves conservationists, but they don't know why or, or anything like that. Um, to, to go a little bit deeper into that. So I guess if there is somebody out there, like, Oh yeah, I, I love land, protect the land, whatnot. But if, I guess for them to go deeper, um, down the conservation hole, I guess, if that makes sense, what, what would I guess be the first step to that for somebody that might just be doing it? Um, you know, for, for sport, but then they kind of take it to that next level of like the big picture of things that, that we um, just mentioned, like where, where would the best place for them to start be? I think, you know, the best thing to do is kind of just Google, you know, conservation, right. And you've got um, a lot of different organizations that'll come up and have information on, like I said, now you're getting into the details of the Pittman Robertson act and that, started in 1937 and you know and, and that's where the excise taxes on those outdoor products comes in and the billions of dollars there and again just learn that follow the money right you know follow that money that funds the state wildlife agencies and um you know look at your state wildlife agencies um website and say all the cool stuff that they're doing and know that um 70% of that stuff, right, is is being funded by uh, people that enjoy the outdoors. And um, we just want to make sure, you know, folks know the process. But, um, you know, there's con being a conservationist is a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So we don't really uh, define it, I guess. Yeah. But so, yeah, basically just go out there and kind of, uh, you know, see see what options are out there and kind of what speaks to you, as you mentioned, because it can be defined many different ways. Um, so so I think I think that's great. And then speaking of which, you know, where where can people find you online to um, to to get involved? Of course, I'll promote what you're doing, obviously learn more about your programs um, and everything else. Yeah, we'd love for uh, folks to follow us on Instagram at Outdoor Stewards. And then we've got a website, www.outdoorstewards.org. And, um, you know, we're just uh, continuing to 
to learn and grow and uh, put stuff out there. So, you know, we've, we've got a lot of video content that we've been developing over the past six months, and we're going to start putting those out there uh, more and more for folks to see. And again, kind of explaining the funding model that um, exists currently and try to get that into as many folks um, heads as possible. But, uh, and you know, continuing that advice, right? We want to, I would say twofold, be a mentor and be mentored, right? Teach somebody something new and and learn something new yourself. Yeah, no, I love that. And everybody, definitely make sure you go uh, check out their website, their Instagram, uh, see what they're up to. Um, you see, it's a, a, a interesting approach, and and I and I love the approach that that you're taking, the different programs that you're taking to do it. Very, as you mentioned, research based. But make sure you uh, check out their website, give them a follow. But uh, Jim, I appreciate you coming on to share your story and, of course, all the awesome things that you're doing. And I can't wait to uh, continue to watch you grow. All right. I appreciate the opportunity. It was great speaking with you. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life in motion. Until next time.